We want to talk this morning about receiving the ministry of Jesus as the soon and coming King. We can put our confidence in Jesus for our future. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He came to give us an eternity with Him. And, um, but we can also put our confidence because He was the suffering King. We can put our confidence in Him to take care of everything that's ever happened to us in our past because He's our present empowering King. Because of the resurrection, He empowers us to live in the present. And because He's coming again, He gives us the hope of our future. Before we start, I want to put up the Lord's Prayer. And let's look at it for a second. I highlighted the word or bolded the word kingdom. Would you declare the Lord's Prayer with me? Let's say it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I have a picture, and this is about the next slide. In this, uh, I want to read the passage that kind of highlights the beauty of this. It's Revelation 19, 11 through 16. And then this is, Paul, this is John when he was caught up in the heaven, and this is part of what he saw. He says, And then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen and white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you say this with me? The kingdom of God is already but not yet. It's already completed because of what Jesus has done. So in the spiritual realm, it's already. And every single heart that opens to him can receive the king of the kings, of all kings, the presence of his majesty coming into your own soul and awakening you and causing you to come alive. But there's going to come a physical time when everything around us changes. And he's going to show up in person. Somebody say hallelujah. Can you imagine that? So right now, the kingdom of God is advanced in one heart at a time for all who put their faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ through the cruc crucifixion and having died for our sins. Every person who has ever lived or will live, he's died for every sin. Then the kingdom of peace is poured into our life. I want us to go ahead and declare one more thing. And it's the next slide here. I Let's go ahead. Let's declare this out. I surrender my life to you, Lord, and all that is wrong with me and all that is wrong in my life. And I receive your new life within me. Thank you for the forgiveness of all my sins 
Thank you for giving me eternal life. Hallelujah. Colossians 1, by the way, I'm just going to keep moving. Okay, Colossians 1, uh, 12. Let's pause just for a minute. I mean, we're saying these, we're declaring them. But I'm going to ask that there, there come a, a, a sweet and sensitive... Here's what I'm really after. I'm not preaching on the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord should show up. Because we're going to tell the truth about who Jesus is. And when you tell the truth, because there's a lot of... Um, I, I was listening to Mario Murillo on a podcast. And he was pointing out the fact that it's not the false teachers that are making the... Um, causing everything to go south. It's the itching ears of the people who want to hear something other than the truth. And the false preachers show up with something other than truth. I'm just declaring to you today that I want to be a shepherd that represents the truth of who Jesus is. I don't care about what goes on in the world. I want you and I to walk with the Lord. I want to walk with the Lord, not just when you'll see, not just with the truth, but with the heart of the Lord. Amen? So Colossians 1, 12-14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to be to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from... Everybody say from and to. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. How many of you remember being tormented in the domain of darkness? It's just... Oh, when I go back there, I go, Girl, I had no sense of peace at all. Ooh, you, you're so open to lies about everything that has to do with eternity. You just don't know. The domain of darkness is a creepy place. And the, many live in that. And they look for spiritual things. We're in the realm of just new age, witchcraft, no matter what. False religions, everything. That's the domain of darkness. But he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's a great contrast between the domain of darkness and the kingdom of God. And Jesus modeled a different way of ruling. Matthew 20, 25-29, Jesus called them to him, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus didn't come in the spirit of the world. Who has ever heard of a king who lays down his life for his subjects? Where does that happen? Now you could hear of a noble king going out in battle, but Jesus is the king that lays down his life. The kingdom of God is in complete opposite of the domain of darkness. Why? It's because the world system is under the power of the domain of darkness. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. This is true. Okay, the whole world. Who is this evil one? The Bible teaches about his character. Before Lucifer was cast out of heaven, his pride to take God's position swelled in his heart. Isaiah 14.13 he says this, and this is, this is Satan, or this is Lucifer as he's, before he's cast out. He says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven among the stars. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly as the far as the reaches of the north. So Jesus explains the spirit. Now, this is the Old Testament, but Jesus also explains the spirit of the devil and those who are under his influence. 
And he told the religious leaders who were seeking to kill him, he said this in John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. If you think for a moment, you go, yeah, who was it that stirred up Cain? Does not stand from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Just go ahead and say, the devil does not stand in the truth at all. Okay? Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We could say, when is the devil lying? When his lips are moving. But the devil's ultimate destiny is revealed to us. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. That's the destiny of the devil. Can somebody shoot up a praise to the Lord? Because you know people, you were deceived. You were under the bondage of the domain of darkness. And it's going to be a wonderful moment to go, that's gone forever and ever. Whew, praise you, Jesus. I remember. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell my funny story. I was praying for some, probably you told this before, but I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we had a cleansing stream retreat, and I was praying for a lady, and I was telling the, you know, I was commanding this spirit to leave this, this unclean demon, to leave this lady, come out, and it's just, and it just was resistant. And finally, this thought popped in my head, and I said, you know, the Bible says, and I just looked right at this, now, it wasn't the lady's eyes. I was, if somebody else was looking at her out her eyes, it wasn't her. Okay, and I looked at this lady, and I said, the Bible says that we will judge the angels when we get to heaven. And I just want you to know something. I'm going to remember this day because you won't obey the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell on you. When we get to heaven, I'm going to say, this demon wouldn't obey Jesus' name. And it left just like that. It came out just like that. The threat of me standing there with Jesus telling on him caused the devil that this particular spirit in Israel want to whoa, I don't want to mess around with that left somebody say hallelujah they're subject to the truth they're subject to the truth praise you Jesus so there is a coming a final judgment and this final judgment is about who actually I want to just tell you this the final judgment is all wrapped around who becomes like Jesus in their character and those who have not can you just embrace that? When See, coming to Jesus Christ isn't saying a little prayer and then living like hell the rest of your life with a false hope that you're going to go to heaven, living in a delusion, being an adulterer, being a, being a robber, being a whatever of God. That's nothing to do. You get to, you're not going to heaven on the basis of that. You're going to heaven on the basis of are you a changed person? Is your character changing? Are you beginning to reflect who Jesus is? Do you have the fear of the Lord? Are you becoming like Him? You're not deluded. You're sold out to a person. That person gave himself for you. And he is working in your life. Everybody say, I desire that God. Not this little, I can go do whatever I want. God will forgive me. Oh, baby, that's slippery, slippery, slippery. 
Jesus changes people from the inside out as He works in their hearts and minds and they're renewed and transformed in their attitudes and words and actions. Just say this, I want to become more Christ-like than I have been. Even more Christ-like. I want to be more like Jesus. See, Jesus' final judgment is going to be based on that. Now, I'll go ahead and put up the slide. There's a final judgment. I want to stay right here for a little while. And I'm going to go over the Scripture with you. Just listen. For when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit upon His glorious throne. And this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus explaining what He's going to do. And this is the final judgment. Jesus is going to explain the final judgment. And all the nations will be gathered in His presence. And He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Watch this. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick, or in, in prison, or in visit you? And the king said, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Christianity, I don't even want to call it a religion, is the only source of hospitals and orphanages in the world. There are more prison ministries in other countries where Christianity is not there. Oh, man, you go to prison, you don't know what you're going to get. But Christian ministries go and serve people. I remember sitting around a table. We were doing the Kairos. And this prisoner, they call them inmates there. They don't use the word prisoner. Inmate was sitting there and he was just, he looked at me and said, my dad died and I didn't get to go to the funeral because I'm in, in jail. And the Holy Spirit prompted my heart and said, why don't we have a funeral service for him right now? And there was a petition. And we went around and the table, the four or five of us around our table went to behind the petition. Would you like to recall some of your best memories about your dad? He began to pour out his heart. We had a funeral service. He didn't have to stay locked up inside. We could celebrate his father, even though he never got to get out and go. Jesus received that for himself. He says, when I was in prison, you visited me. And here's the thing. There's a generosity spirit the point of being like Jesus is you're not always thinking about you. You're thinking about the needs of others. That's a big deal to Jesus. 
Then it says the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. Do you know that hell was not prepared for people? It was not. People say, well, God sent people to hell. No. They decide to go by rejecting Jesus. Look, look, look. God Himself came to earth. God Himself came to earth. The devil doesn't want you to think about that. He showed up personally and solved everything. So it says, For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they would reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in person and not help you? He says, I tell you, when you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, these are the words of Jesus himself talking about the final judgment. He's the one who loves you and came to reveal the heart of the Father, and he longs for you to respond to him with the same love that he came for you. That's really what it's about. It's about him coming and you, him giving you the option to love him back with the same love that he pours into your life. So now let's look at Proverbs 16.6. It says, In mercy and truth atonement is provided for iniquity. I want to make a big deal out of this just for a moment. This verse does not say, this is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say in truth and mercy. The arrangement of these words is extremely important. Because it's not heavy-handed. He doesn't come and point out what's wrong with you first. Jesus is a reflection of this verse. It says, the law was in Moses, but Jesus was grace and truth. You misrepresent the heart of the Father when you come with truth first. You misrepresent Him. You must come with mercy first, the way He comes to you. So when you see all the heartache and you see all the people living, the, I have learned, I mean, it's really been something, but I have learned to pray for people the way I want to be prayed for. Because the Lord says, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despise you. You know, you got to, he said, hey, look, I'm in the world. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. This is just what it is. And so you, you bring up a Christian value and they go, oh, and it just turns into, but see, here's the thing. They're broken. You were broken. I'm, I was broken. We're broken. We're bound. We're blind. Right? There are moments when you just say, Father, please, I just ask that you would... You were here two weeks ago and I wrote that uh, song, Please Don't Fall Away. We'll do it again. Um, not right now, but, but there's, a, there's a precious understanding that, that when I was writing the song, I just kept crying because I kept thinking of people that I know that have not walking with the Lord. And I just cried, I just cried. Every lyric came out, just crying, just crying. 
And the Lord was, the crying was all about this. The Lord was saying, I don't want you to have a judgmental heart. I want you to have my heart. And I want you to cry for those who are not walking with me. God puts a, a change inside of you to take away the criticalness of your soul. Therefore, everybody say it again. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. Let's just praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. In mercy and truth. If you're around a Christian religion that's really, really just judgmental, run. That's the older brothers. It's not the heart of the father. In the story of the prodigal, it's not the father welcoming him back. You know, you have, when you're busted up and broken up, you don't need somebody going, you know what's wrong with you? You do Break that finger. <laughs> Father God doesn't like that. He didn't like that. He says, I poured out my life for you. Mercy and truth. Atonement is provided for iniquity. Uh, and by the fear of the Lord. Everybody say, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. By the fear of the Lord. Not being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is the most extraordinary. It's about being awestruck with God and revering Him so greatly that you don't want to do anything that would separate you from that dynamic, powerful, life-changing love. You'd rather not go somewhere where that doesn't follow you. So let's make another declaration. Could you do that? Jesus, my King, have mercy on me. Help me to become like you inside and out. I want to be yours completely in the midst of this fallen world and to be your light that shines in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the King of kings, has laid his life down for us. And he instructed um, and empowered us to become like him and all of his believers to become like him in his mentality. Let's focus on Jesus just for a moment. Philippians 2 5 through 11 says, having this mind among yourselves. This is what God calls us to. Having this mind. This is the mentality of a follower of Jesus. He says, I want you to think like what Jesus thought like. I want your mind to be along the lines of what he's like, which is in yours. Just go ahead and say, I have the mind of Christ. It's been given to me. It's been given to me by the Lord himself. See, here's how it works. God comes in you. He gives you His Spirit. When you're born again, His Spirit comes inside of you. Now your mind and your will and your emotions, they're all out of whack. And you need a lot of restoration and a lot of healing. But what happens is He renews the Spirit of your mind. And He puts His mind in you. And you be, even if you're a brand new baby Christian, you can be led of the Spirit of God just like someone who's been walking with Him forever. Why? Because you don't want to be outside of His will. And when you don't want to be outside of His will, He won't let you. He will make sure. If you just hang on and don't be in a hurry and let Him guide you, He will. He's a good father. It's kind of like a, a mother going, you know, it's kind of funny that some of these stories, because you know, a, a dad uh, in, in the natural realm, a dad care, care, caring for kids, they're somewhere in the house. <laughs> but a mother knows exactly where they are. <laughs> well, the, the Lord's more like that. You know exactly where they are. <laughs> so have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself 
and taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Next slide. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So John in Revelation, once again, we'll go there, given a powerful spiritual experience being caught up in the heavens to see Jesus exalted. Revelation 5, 5, verse 5 and 6, the first part of 6. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the, its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw... I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Our eternal God has scars on his body. Would you worship him just for a moment with me? We worship you, Lord, Lamb of God. Oh, we worship you. He looks to see the declaration. There's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He looks to see that, and he doesn't see that. He sees the source of our redemption. The Lamb. Well, let's focus just for a minute. I'm, we're coming up to not too far from the end here. Let's focus on our salvation in Christ just for a moment. How does salvation come? There was a group of people that were experiencing the miracle ministry of Jesus, and uh, they were fed uh, down one way, and then he went up, I think he was in the south somewhere, and then he goes up to Capernaum, or so he said, and they all got in boats and followed him and stuff, and and they were like, uh, one, and basically it, it came into the appetite. The, the appetite was we want to see another thing. We want, give us another miracle. Can you break some more bread? Can you give us some more stuff? It was more or less, it was that, it was in that same, that kind of attitude where, um, anyway, this is what, what happened. John 6, 28, 29 says, and then they said to him, what, was, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus said this, this is the work of God. Would you say this with me? This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. That you believe in Him. So the starting place is to completely trust in Jesus for His, He's obtained eternal life for us. And we receive that. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says it this way. For by, read it with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your doing it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, this is so important. In today's culture, it's still so important. So many people think they have to do something. You don't do anything. 
You receive what Jesus has done. That's the only way you're saved. You don't bring anything to the table. You bring deprivation. You bring complete depravity. You bring no good at all. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. None of it is any good. Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. Jesus has done it all. He's done it all. Everybody can come. There's nothing. you got to work up and become better. You come to him. He cleans you up. You don't clean up first. You come to him. He cleans you up. That's how we come. And that's what he does. And this is who we worship. And this is why he's so good. Then he says, for you are his workmanship. This poema, this word, this work of art. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now you're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So your salvation is not based on good works. But there's a gift of given to you. And then out of that gift, the proof of a changed life is that you're walking in the good works. You've changed. You've changed. You've changed. You're doing the things that he created you for before you knew him. And you become like him. And you have an attitude change. And your actions change. And he gives you certain gifting. And you begin to represent him. And your good works have influence because the Spirit of God is upon them. First Peter says it like this. He says, First Peter 4, 10 through 11, each of you has received a gift. Just look at the person next to you. Hey, you gifted little good. You gifted present. You good. You're so gifted. You're a gift. So he says, what you do with the gift, you use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him become glory and become, uh, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. I want to put one more scripture. He calls us to walk as Jesus walked. This is amazing. Look at this really good. 1 John 2, 4 through 6. Whoever says, I know you, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Walk in the same way in which he walked. We have a declaration. Let's declare it together. Lord, it is my desire to abide in you and walk in the same way in which you walked. I give you all my heart and life. Let's go to the blank screen. In the 10th century, there was a duke in Bohemia who was a devout follower of Jesus. It was written of him, but his deeds I think you know better than I could tell, for as is read in his passion, no one doubts that, rising every night from his noble bed with bare feet and only one chamberlain, he went around to God's churches and gave alms generously to widows, orphans, those in prison, and afflicted in every difficulty so much that he was considered not a prince, but the father of all of the wretched. 
This is the 10th century. His name was Wenceslaus. And after he died, he was a duke. And after he died, Pope Otto named him a king. That's in the 10th century. In the 13th, there were three centuries, two or three centuries later, there was another guy named King Wenceslaus. It wasn't him. It was this guy. Now, this, he lived on, he, he was such an inspiration that he lived on in poems. And in the 13th century, there was a, a, a poem written of him. And it was put to music uh, about spring. There was a song about springtime, and it was put into that melody. And so in the, uh, that, uh, it, it lived on. And it, it, I want to go ahead and tell you these words. Now, there's one little thing in here. The Feast of Stephen. Stephen was a martyr. And Stephen was a martyr. Uh, and the, the Feast of Stephen was celebrated the day after Christmas Day, like the 26th or the 27th. So here you go. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel. When a poor man came into sight, gathering winter fuel. Hither, page, stand by me. If thou knowest telling, yonder peasant, who is he? Where and what his dwelling? Sire, he lives a good league hence, underneath the mountain, right against the forest fence by St. Agnes' fountain. Bring me flesh, bring me wine, bring me pine longs hither. Thou and I will see him dine when we bear them thither. Page and monarch, forth they went. Forth they went together. Through the rude wind's wild lament and the bitter weather. Sire, the night is darker now and the wind blows stronger. It fails my heart. I know not. I, I now know how I, I can go no longer. Mark my footsteps, my good page. Tread in them more boldly. Thou wilt find the winter's rage freeze thy blood less coldly. And in his master's steps he trod where the snow lay dented. Heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed. Therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, you who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find blessing. You know what is good King Winslesless looked down on the feast of Stephen. I never knew what it meant. But this man perfectly represented what we're talking about. And the story is about him seeing someone in need and going the distance to take care of it. And it wasn't his, the page's vision. It wasn't his vision. And the Lord wants to go the distance to meet some needs. And it's not our vision. And we start to get going on it and realize this is a lot harder than we thought. But Jesus comes and says, put your feet where I put my feet, son. 
You just walk the way I walk. And we'll get there together. And we're going to cause, and what happened that night is they fired up those pine logs and they had to fix that meat and they sat down and they feasted with this man. Our closing thought, receiving the ministry of Jesus our King is to take on and represent his kingly character. Let's go ahead and stand together. We talk a lot about the Lord forgiving our missteps. Can I ask you and I that we would have less missteps and more footsteps following Jesus's? Would you lift your heads? Let's praise Him. Just let praise rise in your heart right now. Let praise rise in your heart. The Spirit of the Lord is here. There's several of you. The Lord is calling. The vision of the Lord. And I think some of you, it's actually a vision that the Lord had for you a while back. And the Lord says it's time to walk in the steps. To follow my footsteps. And the winter, the world's winds have pushed and caused you to be timid and fall back. And the Lord says, it's time to put your feet where I walk. And let's do this together. Would you praise him with me right now? If that's you, just go ahead and let a spirit of adoration first, rededication, before the Lord saying, I will be what you call me to be. I will do what you've gifted me to do. I repent of all the things, the lackadaisical worldly attitude, the not focusing on who I am in you. I'm talking about some real repentance here where you say, I'm going to live where I wake up and Jesus is going to be on my mind. Where what I'm going to do is not just think about myself all day long and fall into that level of depression, but I'm going to think about who Christ says I am and move away from that into the fulfillment of his purpose with my life. Praise you, Jesus. Would you take his hand, just in your imagination, take his hand, because the Lord has, he has a vision for you to fulfill, and it's going to take some walking, and it's going to take some stepping where he wants you to step, it's going to take walking out of where you've been, and walking into his will and purpose and destiny for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Settle that in your heart, would you? Settle that in your heart. You're going to leave what was. Some of you, in your retirement, the Lord is saying, 
don't sit in an easy chair and forget about my purpose in your life. There's no condemnation or judgment here. It's just the Lord knows the energies you have and how best to spend them. And He knows what the impact of your life is. He's determined it to be. And we can walk with Him in this. So, Jesus, I thank you right now. I just have a wonderful sense that the Lord is just walking around. He's got oil in His hands. And He's going to put His hand on your head. And a fresh consecration of your life to Him. A fresh impartation of the anointing oil of the Lord. He says, come. I'm not, in, I'm not going to call you to do something I haven't empowered you to do. I'm giving you my empowerment to do it. My capacity to do it. Now let's praise Him together. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As Heather mentioned a minute ago, there's a, if you'd like to come to the altar and just continue with a sense of fresh consecration to the Lord about your life, come now as we dismiss.